This is Speaking with the Enemy on the Thai Cats Audio Network. Here is Louis Butko. Yes, the show Speaking with the Enemy, the Enemy this week. These guys again. Uh, Toronto Argonauts, Mike Hogan's the play-by-play voice. And uh, I mean, these guys again, Hoagie. That's okay, probably what you, both these guys are, both these teams are thinking right now. Who do you think is more sick of one another at this point? The DBs and receivers, the linemen, the media, the fans, the coaches, or the staff? You know, I think the fans are always at, at each other. I think yeah. that's what makes this rivalry great. Uh, the media, never. Never, ever. I mean, you, you and Nate are my enemies, but the enemy of my enemy is my, is my friend. And and I don't know how that saying goes, but I I think somewhere in there that makes you my friend, Hoagie, uh, unfortunately for you, but you mentioned the DBs, you mentioned the receivers and, and really talked about it with Dylan Wynn today. The Argo second half adjustments has been the difference in these three games without a doubt. They are a second half team. What have they been doing? What is what's Dinwiddie been saying at half that's been rallying the troops and and you know seeing a different team? It seems like in the second half here. Well, if I knew, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> Damn, so close! I was nice so close. Time, though. Uh, I you know I don't know if it's so much like you could tell they were doing something schematically different. Uh, we noticed on the broadcast they seemed to be running more crosses uh, offensively, and I don't know if they just weren't ready for that or if they were just a simple thing of execution. Um, you know, the receivers were getting open in the second half. I didn't think they did a great job of that in the first half. Um, I still maintain that when McLeod Bethel Thompson is in a rhythm, he's as good as anybody in the league. Um, and you guys have seen that on more than one occasion. Um, you know, uh, the, maybe the best second or one half of football I've ever seen a quarterback have in, say, the last decade was the game he had at Tim Hortons Field last year where he threw for over 300 in the second half. Mm-hmm. And like, he just didn't, I think he missed like two passes in the entire half. One was probably a drop. So I would think what the Ticats need to do is get him out of that rhythm. What the Argos have to do is get him in that rhythm. And in the second half, he was in the rhythm In the first half he wasn't. So how did he get there? I don't know. He doesn't know. I've asked him about it. Yeah. He has no idea. It just seems to happen. And, and when they run tempo and when they, when they seem to have a little giddy up in their step, I think, I think Max is good as anybody. And I think that's, you know, maybe it's because I'm looking at it through black and gold glasses. Maybe it's just the fact that McLeod Bethel Thompson hasn't been around that long, but we've all been waiting for him to be that guy. He, he feels like someone, I can't believe I'm saying this. He feels like someone who doesn't get the respect he deserves. And, and I, but here's my theory. And the the reason I think that is, is we're still waiting for the most part to Mm. see McLeod play 60 minutes. Or the offense under McLeod is probably a more fair way to say that. The offense under McLeod to play 60 minutes. Um, Because you see the spurts and you go, oh, my God. And then you see times when the offense can't move the ball at all. Would would, would the offense have 29 yards passing after the first quarter last Friday? Yeah. And then away he goes. (laughs) I mean, getting booed booed off the field at BMO in the first half and then coming back and doing what he does. I mean, but – to, to be fourth all time in passing yards in, in, in franchise history. I mean, that's not an insignificant statistic to, to, to roll your eyes at. Um, but this to your point, this is the first year he's been the starter. Yeah. Yeah. Right, look at it that way. It was Ricky Ray. Then it was James Franklin. And then uh, last year it was Nick Arbuckle. And now finally in the off season, they flipped the keys to the car to McLeod and said, you drive. 
Yeah. For the first time. Yeah, well, I, and even that, I had Nate on last week, and I was like, uh, so how, how long is the leash before we see Chad Kelly? And I'm sure people were asking that question in the first half of last week's game before uh, before MBT, tur- MBT turned it on. Um, I, I think I get the sense that the Argos have to be looking at this one like a heavyweight fight, right? Yeah. They, 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 they delivered the first blow. They took a bit of a punch in the mouth. They knocked the Ticats back. Are they looking at this like as an opportunity to really – last time they'll see the Ticats this season, if, unless they meet in the postseason. Are they looking at this as the knockout punch, do you think? It, is, it essentially can be, uh, maybe not mathematically, but if it should the Argos win um, and then go 500 the rest of the season after a win on Monday – the Ticats would have to run the table. They'd have to go 6-0 and to finish ahead of the Argos. So it, it might not be, you know, the knockout punch, uh, but, you know, if I could mix the metaphors, the Ticats would be a long way in the rearview mirror um, <laughs> because the the, 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 the the Argos would still have a game in hand and be six points up. So that's that's a lot to ask with the, with the Ticats having, they'll have, what, seven, six games left at the end of this game. Uh, Jamal Peters, the CFL's top performer this past week. I'm sure Dane Evans was uh, waking up in the middle of the night with uh, Jamal Peters' nightmares this week because he he really had himself a game. And and I'm sure he's somebody you've been watching for a while and has been waiting to have that big game. But I mean, is that his is that his arrival for the rest of the league? Did he just put the rest of the league's quarterback on notice? I, I would think so for the fans and media. Anyways, I think coaching staffs are well aware of Jamal Peters, uh, who came and played well last year. He, I think he would have had a run at the NFL, but he blew out his knee in college and ended up here last year. And guess what? Blew out his knee again and missed most of the season last year. It was a smaller season, but um, you know, was able to get back for the playoffs. So he's healthy again. And Josh Bell, the defensive backs coach, loves him. And I asked Josh, I did a story on Jamal a month or so ago. So what do you like the most about him? And he goes, he's big. Because he's... <laughs> He's 6'3", he's like 210, and I think he can tie his shoes without bending over his arms or so long. Like, he has everything you want in a DB, and what he has now is a year of study, where he hit the books hard in the offseason because he wanted the brain to catch up to the body with all of the nuances of the CFL. And, you know, of the three picks a week ago, the first one was him studying the play and knowing what was coming. He actually waved off Maurice Carnell and said, you take the deep guy. And he kind of had both front and back and was able to react in time to either one. Second one, I don't know what was Dane was thinking. I don't know if he's trying to get the ball out of bounds. Um, like it just, it was a throw that should have never been made. He's trying to make a play. I get yeah. that. And then the third one, I think, I think it was just a smart play by Peters who baited Evans and jumped at a full speed. Um, like he, it's again, that's, that's film room, right? He knew the play. Yeah, uh, he'd have to to make that to make that aggressive a jump from that point in the field. So uh, the brain is caught up to the body, and he's if if there's a better DB in the league right now, I don't know who it is, but yeah, I think you're right that maybe the three picks was the way that the rest of the league uh, is starting to go. Oh, that guy's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, CFL top performer, three interceptions, one of them for a touchdown. You're going to get some people's attention, especially you know fans. Um, you mentioned the, the DBs, uh, the, the receivers for the Argos, uh, again, Ambles, Marquise Ambles, probably a name that 
that people aren't really familiar with, but definitely heard of him as of last week. Curly Gittens Jr. is continuing to put up strong numbers. Speedy B is an impact. I mean, back to the point about, about Mac here, McLeod Bethel Thompson. I mean, he's he seems to be building chemistry with these guys by the game, by the practice, by the snap. He do, and he doesn't have just one guy to kind of acclimatize himself to because they run they run right across the receivers group. Um, yeah. You know, you mentioned Marquis Vambles, and he came in here with little to no fanfare, and he led Calgary in catches last year. Like that's no small. Yeah. I know it was a small season, and they had a couple guys injured, but he still led Calgary in catches last year. You mentioned Brandon Banks. He finally got, he made a couple of plays offensively with the, with the end around and then sort of that crossing route again that we talked about on the next play, I think. Uh, Curly Gittens Jr., they haven't needed him the last couple of games. He really hasn't been targeted much. Uh, so I don't know if maybe he's the go-to guy this week as they try to mix things mm-hmm. up. And then, you know, we talk about Tavares Daniels who made that remarkable catch uh, in the corner uh, at the pylon last year, that 360 spinorama. Uh, we haven't even talked about him. So, I mean, that's it's a good four-pack of receivers. And Demonte Coxie, I thought, the new guy from Memphis, uh, did not look out of place last year. He had one mm-hmm. deep ball, especially, that he looked pretty good on. So, it's it's a pretty good group. And, you know, there's still injuries. Eric Rogers is hurt. Cam Phillips is hurt. Juwan Breskison is just coming back. So, it's it's a pretty deep receiving group. What, what do you think the Argos need to do to avoid a letdown? Because... They are coming off a big win. They are first in the East. It's You've been to Tim Hortons Field. It's sold out. It's going to be an atmosphere. What do they need to do to avoid coming out of this and just looking around being like, oh, damn, the Ticats punched us in the mouth? Right, like a playoff game. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, it's been a dead zone trying to go into Tim Hortons Field. What's it been, 2012? since the Argos won in there and there was no game in 2013 because the league thought, Hey, let's do a tight hat lions game on labor day. That'll be neat. Um, <laughs> but, but it's just been the one time since 2012 where, you know, the Argos haven't had to get in the bus or in the cars after the game and go, eh, that didn't go so well. And, and the point differential in a lot of those games has just been brutal. So um, it's, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what, if it's the full house, if it's the atmosphere, if it's the extra hype around town in Hamilton, because, you know, the, the old joke is this is like the Grey Cup for a lot of fans. And you know what it's like? You'll get uh, uh, The diehards are there every week. But for a lot of casual fans who, for different circumstances, may only be able to get to one game a year, this is the one they're going to. They may think Danny McManus is still the quarterback, but they know the Argos suck and they're going to go out on Labor Day. And, you know, that that's what makes this game great. Uh, is because that tradition has gone on and it's a sellout already a few days before kickoff. And I think that's fantastic. And let's bring it on. And when, when the Argos run through that tunnel on Monday, they better have the same intensity as the Ticats because they're going to bring it. So the challenge is you better bring it in the first half because don't expect those second half miracles to happen every week. Uh, so here you go. My, uh, my classic speaking with the enemy question, the Argos will win this game if what? Uh, they change the game till Sunday or Tuesday, so we don't have to play it on Labor Day. Um, <laughs> They've never won, by the way. You, you mentioned that. They've never won at Tim Hortons Field, no. so this building behind me. Since it is Labor open, Day. they've never won on Labor Day. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe the BD3 thing, but I, I would think that if Tim Hortons Field provides the Argos with as many turnovers as the Ticats did at BMO Field last week, 
uh, it shouldn't be a problem, but I don't expect the Ticats to turn it over six times. So, uh, you know me, I'm boring. I, I'm all about turnovers and penalties. If I have to say something else, I will say if they can continue to get the kind of pressure they did last week, uh, where it didn't always result in a sack, but, you know, Shane Ray had pressure. He had a sack in his back pocket, which forced Evans to throw that pick. Um, Hendricks in the middle, Oakman in the middle. If they can get that kind of pressure that they had last week, I think that'll go a long way for the Argos. The Ticats and Argos uh, played the Labor Day Classic last year, as they normally did. It was the Ticats' uh, first game back at Tim Hortons Field la, la, uh, since la, la, the la, pandemic. La, 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 uh, but how about this? Our friend Steve Milton pointed it out. They played each other four times last season from September 6th to November 12th. That's in the regular season. They played each other in the postseason, so that's five games. They played each other in Guelph in the preseason. That's six games. They played each other four times. This will be the fourth time they've seen each other this season. We are up to, count them if I'm right, 10 games in a calendar year between these two teams. 10 games in a calendar year. I mean, that is – I mean, it's the CFL. Dylan Wynn said it. There's only nine teams, but – uh, when I say, are, 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 you, are we sick of each other yet, Hoagie? It's, it's as close to impossible as being sick of you, uh, but this is pretty darn close. <laughs> let's, let's not do this again until least final. <laughs> at least, at least, yes, yeah, please. No, it's, it's, it, there, there are pros and there are cons, but quite frankly, I, I'm, I'll be really happy to prep a game that doesn't involve the Ticats. Uh, the, the feeling, I'm sure, is mutual. Hoagie, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in person at Tim Hortons Field's on monday i uh, can't wait to see you then thanks for doing this as always buddy labor day is always one of the highlights in the calendar and i can't wait to get there and my thanks to mike hogan for joining me today on speaking with the enemy which is brought to you by red tag RedTag.ca back to the beach sale is now on extend the summer heat and start planning for your fall and winter beach vacation now book today at RedTag.ca. all right that'll do it for us today on speaking with the enemy you can catch a brand new one as part of the tire cats pre-game Uh, presented by Journey Rewards. That's Monday, Labor Day Classic. Hope you'll see you there from all of us here at the Ticats Audio Network. I'm Louis Butko. Hoping you have a great day. Monday, Tim Hortons Field. WeatherTech is pleased to present Tim Hicks. Labor Day Classic will feature a special halftime concert performance featuring award-winning country artist Tim Hicks. Presented by WeatherTech, Tim Hicks. Halftime on Labor Day in the Hammer. Hey!